glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cup back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. 49ers for Seahawks. First look. And boy, is this going to be exciting. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot about these two and what could come from this matchup. 49ers for Seahawks, round two. And I'm excited to talk about everything 49ers Hawks because when it comes to rivalries, this one, of course, uh, recently has become a real rivalry, but it, it's it's one that definitely gets all the fans perked up. It gets everyone's interest, whether you're in Seattle, you're in San Francisco. This one moves the needle. 49ers versus Seahawks, Kyle Shanahan versus Pete Carroll. Uh, it, it just gets it done. And the 49ers' recent success over the Seattle Seahawks has been on full display. The last two times that they've played the Seahawks, they have pretty much blown them out of the water. 31-13, to 13, the last matchup just two weeks ago. And I think we can learn a lot from that, but there's also some things that have changed. Believe it or not, in the NFL, things change really, really fast. Whether that is players getting injured, players coming back from injury, added additions uh, by signing players. There's a lot to go into this. So we're going to get into all that in this episode. We're going to take a look at what happened in the first matchup and what can correlate and what can happen in the next one. Because... This is a big-time football game for both teams. Uh, yes, the Seattle Seahawks are 6-6. Six and six. They have a losing record in the division at 1-3. and three. They're not sitting in a good situation. They are currently out of the playoff hunt, and they have two absolutely tough matchups. But it starts in San Francisco. And you know as well as anybody, San Francisco does, that when your back is against the wall, sometimes that's when you play your best football. In 2021 and 2022, the 49ers had situations where their back was against the wall. It looked like all was lost. Playoffs were out of the picture. And the next thing you know, they go on a huge run. So you never want to discount a team's ability, especially a team that's led by Pete Carroll. For whatever reason, Pete Carroll always finds ways to win. And I think he's a good coach. Uh, he annoys me a lot with the way he chews his dang gum. But other than that, you know, he's got solid X's and O's. He does a good job hiring. He brings in good players. He hits on draft picks him and Schneider there. So they do a really good job. But this is the San Francisco 49ers, and the 49ers have a ton to play for. This is in a situation where the Seahawks got their playoff lives uh, to fight for, and the San Francisco 49ers don't have anything to play for because they have a lot to play for. They just defeated the Philadelphia Eagles, supposed to be the big bad wolf in the NFC. Well, guess what? They weren't the big bad wolf. The 49ers were the big bad wolf, and they kicked their door down and walked straight in with a big-time victory. So 49ers are on the cusp of being the number one team in the entire NFL if they aren't already. But you have to continually perform. And like we always say, it's not your last performance, but it's your current performance that is going to mark what people think about you. The 49ers are the best today. Well, they already went through a stretch this year where they were the best, coming off the Cowboys win. And then next thing you know, they're three losses later, and everyone's talking about how they just don't know what's wrong with the 49ers. So you're only as good as your last game. The 49ers got to go out and make sure they get it done against the Seattle Seahawks. They need to make sure they win this matchup. So let's buckle up. It's 49ers versus Seahawks. First look, let's get into this. 
course. Are you going to be betting on this game? If you are, the opportunity is there for you to bet with Bet Online. Holiday season is off and rolling, and NFL in full stride and NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With all the up-to-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four. Bet Online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played. From MMA to international soccer, head to Bet Online today. Remember to use our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And so, when it comes to Forty ers versus Seattle Seahawks, uh, we don't have to go very far. Like I kind of said, they we played the Seahawks a couple weeks ago. Forty ers got a big victory in that game, thirty-one to thirteen. And really, it was a dominant performance. Now, there are some key caveats to that. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks were without their best running back, Kenneth Walker. That is no joke. I mean, Kenneth Walker is a very explosive running back, and we've seen his effects against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, there was a play in the playoffs last year in the wild card round where he was able to head to the, the side off tackle, and he outrun Dre Greenlaw to the end zone. That's not commonplace. There's not very many running backs in this league that hit that explosion, explosive button, uh, hit that button, that speed element, and be able to outrun Drake Greenlaw. Greenlaw is one of the best sideline-to-sideline linebackers in the entire league. The fact that Kenneth Walker has that ability uh, says a lot about him. But he's also very good at running tough inside. So we add an extra element to what Seattle can do. Now, he hasn't played yet. But the expectation from everything that I've heard is that he has a real opportunity to play in this game. He's been dealing with an oblique injury. And if he plays, he changes the dynamic of this game, that's for sure. Because they were going with Zach Charbonnet last time. And Zach Charbonnet is a solid running back. Uh, But he had 14 carries for 47 yards against the 49ers. That's 3.4 yards per carry. The most efficient runner on the entire team was Geno Smith. And so the 49ers... Against Zach Charbonnet, they know exactly what they need to do. They can they can stop Charbonnet with seven guys in the box, and they can put the onus on Geno Smith to go down the field and win, going against DK Metcalf uh, and getting it to Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba. But that's not a winning formula against the 49ers. Geno Smith was 18 of 27 against the 49ers with an interception. Uh, he was sacked six times for 48 yards. So, I mean, this isn't like, oh, this happened early on in the season. This was two weeks ago. The 49ers walked into Seattle, walked into Lumens Field, and absolutely handled them uh, with ease. And, of course, these games always change because you're going to be playing at Levi's. It should give the 49ers an advantage, and the 49ers are 10.5-point favorites right now. But Seattle does have an advantage is that they played Thursday night on Thanksgiving against the 49ers, and then they played Thursday again against the Dallas Cowboys. So if you believe that extra rest and extra preparation time is an advantage, then you see the 49ers are at a little bit of a disadvantage against the Seattle Seahawks and their ability to prep for the 49ers, sit back, watch that Philadelphia Eagles game, and kind of plan. Because at 6-6, six and six, Seattle knows this is a must win. If you lose to the 49ers, you know what's awaiting for you next week? The Philadelphia Eagles who are either coming off a big win against Dallas and they're still sitting in the number one seed, or they just lost to Dallas and now they're fighting to make sure they don't lose the division. 
So you're going to get a very inspired Philadelphia Eagles team in a couple weeks. And Seattle's sitting there looking at their playoff hopes potentially going away. You lose to San Francisco, you lose to Philadelphia. Next thing you know, you're out of the playoffs because right tied with them is the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams hold the tiebreaker over the Seattle Seahawks. They beat the Seahawks twice this season. For whatever, whatever reason, the Rams just have the matchup advantage over the Seattle Seahawks. I kind of believe the same thing about the San Francisco 49ers. Now, we'll see. There's a lot of people that believe this one's going to be tighter than the last one. The last one was 31-13. They think this one has to be a closer game. I'm not sure. But I do know this, that there are some things that are different from last time. And one of the big key differences is the Seattle Seahawks got back Abraham Lucas. And, and that's big. Abraham Lucas coming back, he's going to be manning uh, you know, one side of that offensive line opposite of cross, and now they finally got their young tackles back. They were rolling with 41-year-old Jason Peters uh, a couple weeks ago, and he was struggling. In fact, he got hurt during that game going against the 49ers' edge pass rush. But the 49ers' pass rush was just a real problem because once they took away Seattle Seahawks' efficient run game, and that's really what the Seattle Seahawks have to do. They have to be able to run the football. And once the 49ers took that away, they could absolutely tee off on Geno Smith. You throw in the fact you got a lead and you know Seattle has to throw consistently to catch up, and it just puts you in a bad situation. So uh, getting Abraham Lucas back is significant. Do I think he's going to all of a sudden make everything good for that offensive line for Seattle and they're going to be able to slow up the 49ers pass rush? No. Do I think it, at least it makes it a little bit better for them? They have a better opportunity to slow up the pass rush uh, as long as Abraham Lucas plays really well against whether it's Chase Young or Nick Bosa or whoever he's going against. Yes, but that's the problem. It's whoever you're going against. You're going against Nick Bosa. You're going against Chase Young. You're going against Randy Gregory. You're going against Cleveland Farrell. These are, these are really good edge defenders that present a lot of problems, especially as far as pass rush. And then they all have unique skills and abilities uh, so you have to train yourself to be able to go against each one of them, and they come in waves. Uh, so I do think Abraham Lucas is significant. I think the return potentially of Kenneth Walker is is a very um, determining factor in why I think Seattle will be a little bit better in this game because Kenneth Walker does present more of an explosive style to the Seattle Seahawks run game compared to Zach Charbonnet. Charbonnet is very balanced. Uh, he has a lot of ability uh, as far as vision, and he can get some tough yardage. But Kenneth Walker can make those plays that would go for three or four to go for eight or nine. Uh, he could take those plays that should be a 10-yard gain, and he can make explosives 30-plus out of them. That's the dynamic ability that Kenneth Walker brings, and if he's back, uh, that's what the 49ers are going to have to contend with. But Jack, Zach Charbonnet might not be available for this game. Charbonnet was hurt uh, last week. They're saying it's a bruise but he did not return to the game. We do know that bone bruises can be significant. So watching this week, we'll see what exactly happens with Pete Carroll and how he says Zach Charbonnet is doing. But if they're without, for whatever reason, Walker can't come back and Charbonnet is down, uh, that's when it starts getting a little worrisome. They have to turn to DJ Dallas. Uh, so they could get really deep into their bag there as far as running backs. We'll see what happens there. Also, Jordan Brooks, the linebacker, is dealing with an ankle injury. And last time against the 49ers, I felt Jordan Brooks was actually the best linebacker against the 49ers. The 49ers really took advantage of Bobby Wagner out in space. Uh, Wagner, of course, is getting a little long in the tooth, not exactly as dynamic an athlete as he used to be. 
still mentally, uh, the capacity he has, the way that he's able to uh, read offenses and put people in the right situations is still superb. But you see that there's a little bit of limitations now athletically. He can't hang with McCaffrey and Debo. Uh, those are now matchup problems for Bobby Wagner. It's been like that a couple years now. I think that's why the Rams let him go. So Jordan Brooks is definitely needed. If not, you know they're going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to bring in another player. And that linebacker core, we just saw the 49ers go against a linebacker core that was a little iffy. Uh, Christian Ellis, and then they had uh, Morrow as well. They got exposed by the San Francisco 49ers skill players, and they got exposed by the San Francisco 49ers run game. And that's always one of the keys in the matchup is the run game. And the 49ers blew it up last time, 169 yards on the ground against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, You had Christian McCaffrey going for 114 on 19 carries. Elijah Mitchell getting involved, seven carries for 39 yards. Debo had, uh, you know, four carries, and one of those included a touchdown. And so that was a big play as well. So you see the 49ers were able to establish a run game pretty consistently against the Seattle Seahawks. And I believe that if Jordan Brooks isn't capable of going, and they're saying it's an ankle sprain, how significant is it, right? If it's a really high ankle sprain, he could be out several weeks. Uh, So he might miss the 49ers and the Eagles. Uh, knowing, Knowing the situation, I'm guessing he's going to do everything he possibly can to get on the field and play against the 49ers. But let's be honest. If they don't have Jordan Brooks and they struggled against the run game last time, I don't see that matchup going any better. And I think it makes it even more difficult because Seattle last time tried to run a three safety look and they tried to bring Jamal Adams into the box consistently. And he just got cooked. I mean, that's just as simple as it is. Uh, he, he just struggled. He, he made some flash plays. Give him credit for that, right? He made some splash plays. In and around the box, he's usually pretty significant. I've always thought that about him. But when he gets in coverage is where you have some issues. And I saw that. George Kittle was able to beat him for a big catch. He's still not a great matchup for McCaffrey. McCaffrey wins those. So I don't know what they would do then. You know, I mean, then, then you're really behind the eight ball. Uh, they do have a talent secondary, but the four years were just all over them in the secondary, taking advantage of everything that they had. Uh, as, and guys, if you're watching, please like and subscribe. I really appreciate it. Uh, it goes a long way to help the channel. Share the video. That does the most. So you guys really do that. And if you subscribe, hit that notification bell. If you're listening to audio platform, 40 yards cut back on Believe. Uh, thank you so much. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Pods, iHeartRadio. It's available everywhere you listen to your podcast. You guys are the best. Uh, So check those out. And if you have the PSF app or you want to get it, download the PSF app. That's pros. uh, um, PSF. You get that. um, Come through and check it out and join me and Mark Adams on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific time for our show. So uh, you definitely want to do that. Pro sports fan. It's a great uh, platform to be able to come on and chat with us as we're live. Uh, So let's talk. I mean, we're talking Jordan Brooks. We also got to talk some San Francisco 49er injuries. Because Eric Armstead's been dealing with a foot, and then coming out of Philadelphia, it was a little bit of a knee. Now, we're going to get an update from Kyle Shanahan about exactly where Eric Armstead fits uh, and what some of these injuries are. Now, Armstead did speak to the media after the game. Normally, that's a good sign, but, you know, he the knee popped up in the injury report on Monday. So, I don't know what that means for the 49ers and what that means for Armstead. The one thing we do know is Kalia Davis stepped up and got some significant reps. But you don't want to lose Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead is an absolute beast. 
Uh, the fact that Philadelphia was double teaming him as much as they were just shows what the rest of the league believes about Eric Armstead's ability to rush the passer. He has one of the best swim moves in the entire NFL. Uh, and then, of course, you're going to be having some decisions because now you've signed Logan Ryan. So Logan Ryan is joining the roster as a veteran safety. So the 49ers are adding a player behind Tayshawn Gibson and Jair Brown. I think this was a significant move that needed to happen. Now when you have the transitional safety, the guy that you need in a pinch, it's Isaiah Oliver, right, as your fourth safety. Now you have Isaiah Oliver. He can play backup corner, and he can play uh, backup safety. I like that a lot more than him being the third safety aim because we saw Tashawn Gibson get hurt in this game against Philadelphia. He rolled his ankle. He came out for a few plays, and it was Isaiah Oliver in. And it's not that Isaiah Oliver played bad, but just imagine, heaven forbid, something would have happened in that game as well to Oliver or uh, heaven forbid to Jair Brown, and you would have had a real adjustment at the safety position. So uh, make sure you go get somebody that can get it done. Logan Ryan has played around this league for a long time. He's been in the league since 2013. He's had multiple years where he's had four-plus interceptions, played corner in the league. So he has real legit coverage skills. And over the last several seasons, the last few seasons, he's transitioned to safety. So he's got a lot of experience and a, a lot of abilities, 31 years old but a veteran presence behind Jair Brown because you you know watch my uh upon further review you know I saw Jair Brown making some mistakes uh some could have been costly mistakes so he's still got room to grow the good news is no one's been able to take advantage of those mistakes and it seems like he's somewhat limited those opportunities as well uh, we know a good pass rush can mask responsibilities and mistakes in the back in the back end and they did so it happened to coincide with good pass rush, but uh, Jair Brown has still got growth. And like I've said before, I don't want Jair Brown being the veteran in the room, right? I don't want all of a sudden Gibson to go down and them going with Oliver. And yes, Oliver's a veteran in the league, but as far as playing safety for the 49ers, he would probably have to give uh, the nod to Jair Brown, who's been doing it all season. So uh, those are big ones. And that's an area the 49ers got to make sure they take care of because uh, Noah Fant is not a joke as far as a tight end. He can take advantage of some of the mistakes that Jair Brown was presenting on film. Uh, normally, the 49ers love to put Tashawn Gibson on the tight ends, and I think that's always a good method. But maybe it is, once again, let Jair Brown play the deep third and do as much as you can to keep Tashawn Gibson on the tight ends because that's always a big key in the football game. And last time, it really wasn't a whole lot of success from Noah Fant. He only had two catches for 25 yards. Uh, he only got targeted a couple times. So really, once again, Tashawn Gibson takes somebody out. And of course, one of the big matchups two weeks ago and is was Charverius Ward against DK Metcalf. And that kind of sparked uh, Mooney Ward moving up a lot of people's radars as far as one of the better cornerbacks in the league because he went in there and he handled... DK Metcalf. Metcalf had three catches for 32 yards, and he only had one 14-yard catch. Uh, so that's his biggest explosive of the day. That was huge. Charverius Ward was down the field running stride for stride with DK Metcalf and limiting him. Why would you do anything else? If you did it you know, two weeks ago against DK Metcalf and you did it last week against A.J. Brown, guess what? You're doing it again. Charverius Ward is going to be matched up on DK Metcalf. And all you've got to do, if you're Steve Wilkes, is make sure 
that they're not allowed, that they can't run rub routes and create separation against Charvarius Ward. Because if Ward has one-on-one coverage, he has shown right now he can hold up next to DK Metcalf. It looked a lot better uh, this last time a couple weeks ago on Thanksgiving compared to what it looked like in the playoff game. The Super Wildcard Weekend, let's be honest, DK Metcalf got off a little bit against Charvarius Ward. I think Ward was looking to prove that that was not the norm. That was an anomaly. And I think so far he's proved it. He's played really well against A.J. Brown as well. So that's going to be a key matchup. The other key matchup is going to be in the slot, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Tyler Lockett against Yamer Lenore. And Lenore has been playing very, very good this season. Uh, but the reason that this matchup is significant is because we've seen the Seattle Seahawks finally get a big play down the field to Jackson Smith and Jigba for 34 yards, the one-handed catch, and that was on an out and up. That's so hard for a nickel corner to be able to cover because a nickel corner has to start with inside leverage a lot of times, uh, and so he'll give them that outside, and then he has to run with it, and then he turns back up. So you're trying to make up ground, and then he gets over the top. You saw Lenore this week covering Devontae Smith, same thing, except this time they threw the out, and he was just uh, short on getting to the football. So Lenore's got a tough match up there. He did a pretty good job of keeping Jackson Smith and Jigba in check, except for that one big throw. And really, Tyler Lockett was pretty much hemmed up. So that's the weapons that they have. If they do have Kenneth Walker, he will add the element of him catching the ball in the backfield. The screen game, once again, becomes a problem. Because if you're going with all hands on deck, getting after Geno Smith, which I think the 49ers will do, because they got him six times last time, they're going to come after Geno Smith. So in that case, you have to make sure you watch for the screen pass. The screen pass is a great deterrent to uh, prevent these defenses from just pitting their ears back and coming after you in a big way. So I think that's something to watch. Really, the rest of the offense was pretty much held in check by the San Francisco 49ers defense. That defense played absolutely fantastic in that game. And of course, the 49ers also caused turnovers. They had the DJ Dallas turnover on special teams. Geno Smith threw an interception. And there was other opportunities for interceptions. Ambry Thomas got a huge pick in that game. And when you're looking at the defensive numbers, I mean, just look at the sack numbers for the 49ers. They had six. You had Javon Hargrave with one and a half. You had Tashawn Gibson getting one. That's the one where Geno falls down at the goal line. And he beats Cleveland Farrell to the, the sack. Bosa had two sacks in the game. Eric Armstead had a sack. And Kevin Givens had a half sack on with Javon Hargrave that he shared. So you can see they spread the wealth around. Now this last week, you had Kinlaw and Kalia Davis getting sacks. Kinlaw with two, Kalia Davis with one. Interior defensive, defensive line putting pressure consistently on the quarterback now. That's a far cry from what we had in 2022, where the 49ers interior defensive line produced Three sacks total. Three total. And now you have these guys that are absolutely getting it done on the interior defensive line. It's it's fantastic to see. And that they're going to have to continue. It's going to be a test. And let's be honest. They're going to get the absolute best that the Seattle Seahawks have to offer. The best. Because the Seahawks know their backs are up against the wall. They're fighting for their playoff lives. But this is that moment. The 49ers need to go in there and absolutely finish them. Right, I mean, this is that Mortal Kombat moment. Finish him. Uh, uh, that's what you got to do. And so I'm hoping the San Francisco 49ers are ready for it. I'm sure they are. 
and they've got to go in there and do it. So there are some keys to this game that still have to be decided. We got to know what's going to happen with Eric Armstead and with Kenneth Walker. I think those are two of the biggest. Uh, Jordan Brooks will be a big reason why as well. But I mean, last time when the 49ers and uh, Seahawks played, there were some keys that the 49ers were really, really good at. They held the Seahawks to three of 11 on third down. And you guys know how I feel about uh, third down conversions. Three of 11 is not good. The 49ers were just under 50%. They were at their season average going five of 11, but three of 11, uh, that's under 30%. That's not great. The Seahawks were held in check. They also went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. So you see where the 49ers were really good taking advantage of, of everything Seattle was giving them. Now, I'll give Seattle credit. There were times in that game where they kind of slowed up the 49ers passing game with their two deep safety look. Uh, but Brock was able to figure it out at one point, and Brock went 21 of 30 for 209 yards and one touchdown. The, the costly mistake for the 49ers in this game, and the reason that the Seahawks even have 13, is because Brock threw the pick six, right? He forces the one to Christian McCaffrey, a little bit behind him, McCaffrey tips it up in the air, Jordan Brooks takes it to the house. Uh, without that, and without the D. Eskridge uh, kick return, they get three points on offense. There's go 49ers defense held him in check. What a far cry from what Seattle just did to Dallas, right? Where they're scoring 30 plus points in an absolute shootout against the Dallas Cowboys who are perceived to be one of the best defenses in the entire league. That's the level of domination that the 49ers are providing. So uh, you see that number that is really huge. And then you talk about red zone. Seattle didn't even really get in the red zone. They were O of one in the red zone. Other than, and that was at the end of the game. That's the one they quarterback sneak with Geno Smith. that gets uh, stopped by Fred Warner and others. And then they try to run the ball with Charbonnet and Bosa. And the defense just absolutely light it up and turn it, turn them back. I mean, it was just utter domination. Do I expect utter domination in this matchup? I'm not sure. I think I want to know what's going to happen with Kenneth Walker. I want to know what's going to happen with Jordan Brooks. If Armstead is going to play. I think those are pivotal matchups that we're going to find out you know, here real soon if these guys are going to be able to play, and then that'll kind of determine how these games are going to go. But uh, you see the 49ers handling all the major um, categories last time. They won on third down, both offensively and defensively. They won in the red zone uh, where they were very effective in the red zone, three of four on touchdown opportunities. That's spectacular. Uh, they won the turnover battle two to one, so they're plus one. They won the possession battle. Uh, they had the ball for over 35 minutes, so more than nine minutes more than the Seattle Seahawks. It, it was domination, and that's what the 49ers are going to be looking to do. So the 49ers right now, a lot of people would think you pull off the gas after the Philadelphia Eagles game and you put it into uh, cruise control. No, this is when you put the pedal to the metal and you absolutely steamroll every single team you go against. Leave no doubt now. Finish off the Seattle Seahawks. Make it so the 49ers clinch a playoff spot, at least put the Seahawks down because the Seahawks right now and the Los Angeles Rams aren't numerically out of this, uh, but you can make Seattle pretty much out of the NFC West if you win this game. In fact, I, they would be out of it. The Rams, of course, the Niners don't play them again until the end of the year, but I, I just don't think Seattle really can win You know, a big-time game coming up uh, if they have to you know, go against some of the, the teams that they're going to have to go against. I mean, they got 49ers, then they got Eagles. Uh, they could go 0-2 in those. Uh, then they got the Titans on Christmas Eve. That's a winnable matchup for them. Then they've got the Steelers. 
Uh, that's a winnable matchup. We don't know what's going to happen at the quarterback position with Kenny Pickett. Uh, but they end the season with Arizona. And the way that Arizona is playing right now, I just don't think you can discount them in that matchup. I mean, there's a real case that the Seahawks go two and three. Uh, I think they'll probably go three and two with losses to the 49ers and Philadelphia Eagles. And that could really hurt their playoff chances because right now the Green Bay Packers are sitting in the seventh seed and the Vikings are sitting in the sixth seed. Both of them hold tiebreakers over the Rams and the Seahawks. Rams are at eight. Seahawks are at nine. So uh, Ram, the Seahawks are, are in a world of hurt right now. They're, they're going to be playing the 49ers. Then they got the Eagles. Uh, so they've got to figure this thing out real quick because if not, there's going to the potential that they're going to be left out of the playoffs. And that is a little surprising, even though I thought they were going to play, you know, probably close to 500 football. Uh, I did think they were going to be able to make the wild card. And right now they're sitting on the outside looking in. So it's going to be all hands on deck. I guarantee the 49ers are going to get the absolute best that the Seattle Seahawks have to offer. Pete Carroll, Clint Hurt, uh, that, that defensive coaching staff is going to do everything they can to limit the effectiveness of Brock Purdy and these weapons. But can they do it? Can they stop Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, uh, Jawan Jennings? I don't know. I, I, there's just a lot of weapons there. Uh, and, and that's exactly what was the problem the first time. But we'll see if there's going to be a difference in Levi Stadium. Seahawks coming off a long period of rest have uh, more opportunity. We'll see if that pays dividends for them. And, of course, we're going to watch the Kenneth Walker, Jordan Brooks situation, the Eric Armstead, and Ross Dwelly situation, and just see what happens as far as those injuries. But I appreciate everyone coming through and watching the episode. 49ers versus Seahawks, first look. Uh, looking forward to more content. Of course, you've got to catch the tail of the tape. I'm going to be going through all the numbers and what those numbers mean, how these teams win, and how they match up. It'll be completely updated uh, and we'll get a really good picture of how Seattle is is going about winning. So make sure you join me for the tail of the tape. That will be coming up later on this week. I'm really excited about this matchup of the 49ers versus the Seattle Seahawks. It's always a fun battle. And let's be honest, 49ers are looking to end people's seasons. Go ahead and become the villain that they want you to be and go out there and finish off the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, in Levi Stadium, it'll be a big celebration. A couple of games go uh, one way or the other. The 49ers could clinch a playoff spot. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Bird season is still here. You won two. You beat Seattle, and then you beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Now you've got to beat Seattle again. Can the 49ers do it? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about all week. Join me. If you want extra content, head on over to Patreon. There are shows over there, the Ant Hill Show, Slightly Offsides, the Ant Ant Classic Show. Those are standalone shows. Of course, there's film breakdowns as well. All the film of every game broke down, every single play. Go check it out. Uh, let me know what you think. But uh, thanks, everyone, for coming through and watching. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. Remember, the right way is always the 49ers way.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.